this is very much a family affair. This is the Jinx Monsoon team, brand, and aesthetic all coalescing to put on my biggest tour to date. <laughs> fears, 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 weather, fears. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Joey Nolfi, Entertainment Weekly's RuPaul's Drag Race reporter, and welcome to an extra special episode of EW's Quick Drag. But wait, wait, before we start, it is that my camera? It is. I just I just want to make sure I know where to put all of my attention because we must be very, very good to our next guest because she is mother, but she's also currently mama in the beloved Broadway musical Chicago. And she's being very good to us as we announce her new Everything at Stake tour kicking off on June 12th, here to discuss hitting the road across nearly 40 cities after she completes her Broadway run. Please welcome mm. drag legend Jinx Monsoon. Hi, Jinx. Hi. <laughs> How are you? It's so good to talk with you. Oh, it's nice to talk with you too. I'm pretty, I'm pretty, can I say damn good? I'm pretty damn good. <laughs> yes, you can say you are pretty damn good. You can say whatever you want, but I have to know it, when you say you're pretty damn good, like, are we getting zooted pit stop Jinx Monsoon today? Because I love that. Okay. Jinx. And I- <laughs> do you do you want me to reveal the secret? I was happy to just let everyone think that I was zooted. Um, I had never heard that word before, the pit stop. I was happy to let everyone think I was just stoned out of my gourd. But honestly, I um, I had a head cold that day and I was so doped up on Dayquil. So I had smoked a joint, but that's usual for me. It wasn't like I had smoked 15 joints or had found some secret edible, the everlasting gobstopper of edibles. I just was trying so hard not to let my nose run. That I was like being very still and all my, I was just, I was in a weird headspace that day. Dayquil, Dayquil and emergency. I was so, I didn't have COVID. I had tested, but I was so worried because Dela was my producer and director sitting right next to me on the holiday tour. And I didn't want her to be like, oh my God, Jinx, you can't be sick. So I was trying to hide it and it, it ended up. Being a great episode, but Being yeah, people that I was like people I was a little more stoned than usual for me. But so I guess all of that to say, technically, like, yes, you were zooted. I guess so. I yeah. guess so. You know, what I like to say is um consummate professional zooted. You know, exactly. I was zooted to do my job. Exactly. Well, it is legal in New York now. So I mean, yes. Of course. Like, I mean, of course. And even before it was legal, who gives a I mean, like the exactly. the way the way that we exonerate alcoholism and demonize drug use in this country. I, I, I think that I think that I know that the attitude is changing, but yes. you know, yes. let's, let's, let's speed it up a little bit. <laughs> uh-huh. No, I fully agree. And I think that I love when that, you know, the very, uh, political side of Jinx comes out. And I do want to talk to you about that with relation to the Everything at Stake tour, because this is your biggest tour to date, and the title does seem particularly poignant right now. So why was that title right for this particular show? And do you think you will explore maybe more political or activist themes here than before? Um, uh, You know, I explore um, political um, activist-oriented themes in all of my shows that I've written. Um, so the process is that I start with what's going on in my life and I kind of build the tour around like, what am I most interested in talking about on stage right now? And then when I kind of like, you know, when I've 
figured out what I personally want to talk about, then the next step is to figure out how it fits into the world at large. And everything at stake was really just, um, it's like, it was more a reference to the fact that I've been doing this for 10 years. Mm. And this is my first concert tour of this size, right? So yeah. I, I I chose to work in the cabaret world because that's where I work really well. But um, you know, I I I I am a I am a pretty uh, adept drag queen and I um you know, I want the chance to do a tour of this size to show people just how much I've got to give. I've been showing it in Chicago. I show it every year for the last five years with Dela and our holiday tour. Yeah. And now major scales and I are going to, we're taking all of our fantasies of what we would want to do in a tour like this and, and making them come real, making them come true, come real. Uh, become, <laughs> come real, become real, whatever semantics. Um, you know, this is, it's everything at stake because this is like the most attention I've had on me in some mm-hmm. time. And I want to show the world why I deserve that attention. Yeah. Now, um, that's where it started. And then, of course, since coming to this title, uh, the world continues to be uh, a fucking shit show. And- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, to say the And least. the title now has uh, multiple meanings. And so, mm-hmm. yes, of course, that's going to find its way into my work for this tour. I am too... Uh, loud-mouthed and opinionated for me not <laughs> to bring um, what's going on in the world into my work. <laughs> yeah. So do you have, like you said, it, it's often like your, I know your work and your music is inspired by things that you just want to talk about or things in your personal life, things going on in the world. So do you have a, are you still working through what that's going to look like for the tour in terms of a narrative for the tour? Like, is it going to be a mix of music, of sketches, of, oh, you know, yeah. what, what what's the narrative for this tour? So this so, okay. So most of my shows, no, all of my shows with major scales that we do in cabaret settings, that's just me, mm-hmm. major and a piano. Those are very narrative script heavy shows. Yes. This show is going to be less narrative, less like a plot and more mm-hmm. like a showcase of everything that I've got to offer. So there's going to be um, sketch work with Liam Krug that oh. I, um, you know, who I co-created Sketchy Queens with. Yeah. Um, we're working on season two of Sketchy Queens uh, as I'm also, you know, burning the candle at both ends, um, <laughs> as I want to do. Uh, so we're working on season two of Sketchy Queens and also working on sketches and video content for this tour. Major is writing new um, uh, original music. Um, I'm having some new special p- props and set pieces made specifically for this tour. And because I like to work in allegory, I am leaning heavily into, you know, um, my witchy aesthetic. Yes. I'm kind of going to find the parallels between the witch hunts that existed in the olden days when women were persecuted for taking on the patriarchy and the parallels that are happening right now with the queer and trans and LGBTQAI plus community, the witch hunt that we are experiencing as we take on the patriarchy. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's going to be all of that, but if you want to know what it boils down to, imagine stand up comedy meets 
rock concert meets drag. And that's, that's the best yes. way to, it's a showcase and it's an introduction to everything that you should know about me as an artist. Mm -hmm. that, <laughs> that sounds incredible. And it sounds like maybe we got a little tease of that on All-Star 7 with your dress, um, your famous burning mm -hmm. dress. Uh, so was well, that it was the it was the reaction to the burning dress that um, that motivated the motif for this tour. Wow. And I'm really, I love the poster. The poster was, um, uh, the poster images were shot by my um, go-to photographer, Alec White. Mm -hmm. It was um, edited and designed by Frank Korea, who um, directed uh, the Strange Magic music video that I just um, put out. Mm -hmm. And um, then, you know, we'll have... Uh, Major Scales on the tour as music director, Yair Evnin, um, our producer on our last um, EP and our last album might be joining the tour. And very excitingly, um, just as a little touch of nepotism, my husband will be joining the tour as an instrumentalist. Um, Michael will be playing um, uh, backup instruments like second guitar, second keyboard, accordion, and then we'll also be singing backup vocals. So this is very much a family affair. This is like... Yeah. This is the Jinx Monsoon team, brand, and aesthetic all coalescing to put on my biggest tour to date. <laughs> it sounds so amazing. And I did, you know, I, I did hear that Michael was going to be joining. Shout out to Michael on this episode. Um, yeah, but he's I, right here I, sitting on the couch oh, playing video hello, games. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> We're very excited that you're going to be on this tour. But I have to know, how is that, like, I, I mean, going to work out emotionally? Like, will you have to take breaks after spending this much time together on the road? Listen, Michael and I are extremely pragmatic in our relationship, seeing as our relationship has experienced multiple obstacles just in mm -hmm. the nature of the relationship. He is from the UK. We've been long distance our entire four years together. We've been married for two years and we only mm -hmm. just got it moved into the house. So, you know, <laughs> things uh, we figure it out as we go. But I think what's really exciting about this is Michael and I are going to get to tour together. Yeah. But because of the size and nature of the tour and with major scales being the music director michael and i are only going to be working together as you know a singer and an instrumentalist would um mm -hmm. he doesn't have to answer to me um he answers to major <laughs> there's a buffer of professionalism nice. in between yes. us <laughs> That's great. That is great. No, yeah. we are very excited to see him on the tour as well. Um, I do have to know, just I want to go back to what you said of some of the themes that inspired this, like the burning of the witches at the stake and, and you know, rising mm. up against the patriarchy. Like there, I, I hate that it, it almost feels like every time we're, we're talking to drag artists now, it has to come back to the political, but that does, it's such a relevant thing right now. It's not uh, our fault. You right. know, you know yeah. what I'll say to that is um, I'd love to not have to spout off about mm -hmm. these topics all the time. It doesn't make yeah. me a happy person to have to defend myself against objectively wrong mm -hmm. conservative assholes. You know, mm -hmm. they are objectively, factually incorrect. They are. That's just they the bottom line. There's no nuance. There's just, mm -hmm. just lies. It's just lies tactics and manipulation. Sure. So it doesn't make me happy to have to stand mm -hmm. up against that, but that's what drag has always done. That's what exactly. I've always done as an artist. And if anyone's going to do it, at least when I'm doing it, it's someone I trust. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. And I just wonder, though, if that makes you – I mean, you are visiting a bunch of different areas in this country, Texas, Florida. Like, have you – are you concerned about performing there? And have you had to maybe anticipate extra security measures in the current climate as the politicians do target drag artists in those states? Yeah. I mean, yes. And unfortunately, it's not new for drag artists to have to do that. Yeah, I was on tour when the Pulse um, mm-hmm. mass shooting happened. I lost friends in that, um, that tragedy. I was on tour this year when Colorado Springs happened. And every time we, we up security and we keep going. And that's yeah. just, that's the MO. And it's so, it's sad. Drag shows, high schools, middle schools, grade schools. Why are we the ones that have to just deal with this daily? You know, like, I mean, why are we, why are teachers and students, why is that okay? Why is that okay when gun reform could happen? No, it's just easier to scare children on a daily basis. It's just, and you know what fucking makes me so angry, Joey, is that the tactic of blaming everything on drag queens and saying that drag queens are a threat to children is literally just to distract from gun reform. It's to distract people away onto a different topic. So we, the queer community, are overshadowed as we beg for gun reform as our people are being killed. Now, what's so disgusting about it is Colorado Springs happened to us, the queer community. So what's naturally going to happen after a mass shooting is more calls for gun reform. In anticipation of this, the conservative right-wing fanatic liars made us a scapegoat. How disgusting is that? We were murdered by guns, and now they're making us a scapegoat so they don't have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Then they claim we are a threat to children. Children are being murdered in schools, not by drag queens, by guns, by people yeah. with guns. So why does this make any sense to anyone? Why is there anyone who believes any of this shit that's being spewed? It's vitriol. It's lies. It's just horrible. Yeah. Now, while I talk about these topics, you can hear that I'm very impassioned. Yeah. My tour, everything at stake, don't worry. You're not going to be lectured. What I want <laughs> people to know about my work and my work with Dela, my work with Major, my work with everyone, we work in parody. We work in allegory. These are the topics that fuel my work. But when you come, don't worry that it's going to be an hour and a half of jinx on a soapbox lecturing you because I'm, that's not how I work as an artist. That's how I work as an advocate. Mm -hmm. But um, as an artist, you can expect really wonderful music. Um, You can expect hilarious comedy. I think objectively I can claim that I'm hilarious. I think I (laughs) won a few challenges that would um, argue that fact. Um, So, uh, you know, those topics will be there, but I like to invite people into the conversation with comedy, humor, joy, celebration of how we fight that vitriol is with love, support, and living our truth. Mm -hmm. So that's how I fight it as an artist. So I don't want my fans to think, Jinx sounds really angry at this topic, because I am, Mm -hmm. but I use that anger to write hilarious comedy Mm -hmm. that makes you think. Yeah. 
<laughs> we, will, we will save the soapboxing for the what I'm hearing is leading up to the Jinx Monsoon uh, 2024 presidential run is what it sounds like almost. Nah, nah. <laughs> uh, oh my god, I can't think of a worse job. No, I, if anything, if anything, maybe a TED talk where I just stand on stage and vent my anger. Maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll let we'll let Sasha Colby run for drag president. That seems sure, like where sure, she's sure. headed. Yes. Do you know, no. Honey Mahogany's already on the path. Very true. Um, rather, rather. Than forcing someone else into a life of politics, let's just support Honey Mahogany, support honey. okay? <laughs> support Honey, yes, that sounds like a great plan. Now, I yeah. do think that, you know, in addition to just being an activist, I mean, just through your work, I mean, I think that's very important in changing the minds of a lot of people as well. I mean, you speak, you, I mean, speaking of, you know, changing the culture, I mean, you in Chicago as mama, I mean, it's just, I saw the show, it's fabulous. People turned out in really huge numbers for this. I just saw the articles about the shows having like standing room only and... Uh, I mean, so you and many of your sisters have regularly, time and time again, proven that drag artists are business draws. So prior to this, were there maybe specific experiences in trying to break through on stage or screen where you felt like you maybe were held back because those in power maybe didn't take the art form of drag seriously as much as they would another actor? Yeah, absolutely. Hands down. I mean, that's something I fight against in my career and I fight against it actively for me and all other drag queens, honestly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm not going to name any projects or name any names, but there have been times where a role is written with a drag queen in mind or written for, you know, like written to be a drag queen character, right? Mm -hmm. The character is a drag queen. And I know because I'm part of the network because I'm auditioning, I'm out there going for these roles. I know that sometimes 10 or 12 or 15, however many drag queens get called in to read for a role. And then the role goes to a cis white pretty boy, Mm -hmm. whether they're queer or not is, you know, usually they're queer, but I mean, at the end of the day, you're writing roles for drag queens, acknowledging the, the allure, the draw, the loyalty that the drag fan base has and then you give the roles to someone who's not a drag queen. And I think there has for a way too long been this min- misconception that if a drag queen does their work in drag, it's somehow less legitimate, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just something we've been fighting against even as drag race takes over the world, yeah. even as people prove themselves constantly. Um, Bob the Drag Queen is a wonderful example. Um, She uh, was on the network, the Netflix series, Tales of the City, and did Mm -hmm. amazing work. And so why is there still this misconception that drag queens don't have acting chops or singing chops, you know? Mm -hmm. And if anything, I was like, I had a vendetta against those past experiences when I came into Chicago. And it makes me love the producers, the Weislers, Fran and Barry. They they probably had similar anxieties and fears that any other producer has of like bringing in a drag queen might scare away people from your broad, broader audience. What I want to say is you don't need those people in your audience. For every bigot that doesn't come to a show because a drag queen's in it, you're going to have 10 more drag fans yeah. who come. Mm-hmm. And This all is linked together. Drag race, drag has been changing misconceptions of the queer community for the last 15 years. 
So here we are at a place where drag is being celebrated, drag is being, um, you know, admired and and seen for what it's always been. And then drag audiences are showing up for us. Why? Because we haven't been given the celebrity VIP treatment this whole time. Mm -hmm. We've been celebrities in the eyes of our audiences, but not in the eyes of the industry. So we have been like, we have been giving to our audiences for years, meet and greets, countless meet and greets. No one but drag queens is it expected that a meet and greet takes place after a show. That's the mm-hmm. only art form. And now other artists are doing it because when you take the time to thank your audience, look them in the eyes and thank them for coming, they come to the next thing you do. Yeah. So it's not just that it's me. It's not just that it's drag. It's not just the significance of a drag queen playing a cis female role in a Broadway show. It's also that the community takes care of its own. And mm-hmm. I, as an artist, have always tried to give back to my audiences who come and support me so that they'll come support me again. Yeah. And that's just my MO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do, because you, you are staking such a claim on this character in a way that Broadway audiences haven't really seen on this scale before. I mean, this character has been played by a lot of iconic people. I mean, memorably on film, even by Queen Latifah. So I wonder... If you've heard from any of the past mamas, or did you consult them before taking the role? I did not consult with any mamas. Um, uh, no, I just had a very clear idea of how I would play her, mm-hmm. where it still felt authentic to the character and still felt like you were getting the archetype you want out of this character, but not trying to recreate a performance that one, I couldn't recreate and two, shouldn't recreate, right? Like I'm not going to play the role like Queen Latifah because I am not of the same demographic background or um, archetype as Queen Latifah. Mm -hmm. I can't draw from the same life experiences she did in her uh, Oscar winning performance, right? (laughs) So for me, what it was is what is it about the character that I love that Queen Latifah brought to it that could inspire my own decisions? Yeah. So what I loved that Queen Latifah brought to it was the authority that she has mm-hmm. and the the way that she can simultaneously be exploiting someone and you can see that she genuinely cares about that person. Like her and Velma have a very intimate relationship, but she still is another person exploiting these women. And I think, I think having a female character also be guilty of exploiting the, the two lead females is a really important part of the show. You know, it's not, but then also that character is a butch character that is copying the mannerisms and behavior of the men that probably treated her like shit. Right. So I took all of that from Queen Latifah's performance, synthesized it in my own and came up with something that I think is very unique to me, but still delivers everything you want for mama. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's a brilliant performance. And there also is something else in the show that struck me because I have to admit, I outside of the film, I wasn't necessarily as familiar familiar with Chicago as a stage musical throughout my life. But there is the one character, um, Mary Sunshine, played now by Arlo, who's revealed to be a man in drag at the end of the show. And I was wondering how you felt 
about the way this current musical treats that character because in looking into the past of the character after this i found that that wasn't always the case that the character was treated more of like like a mocking the drag element of it but that i don't get that in this version so what you're talking about is all in it's all encapsulated in one moment Mm because until that moment even in the past versions of uh of um Chicago, even in in past versions, that that's the only time the character is mocked is in that one moment. But yeah. it was, you know, it was a problematic moment of the of an otherwise perfect show. And I do say perfect show, like you know, Chicago is like objectively a really, really tight, clean, precise, polished show, and that's why it's run as long as it has. Um, but that was the problematic part of the show at least that stuck out to me and what Mm -hmm. i love about this production the producers the crew everyone involved is it is such a family vibe (laughs) it's such a family vibe when angelica ross came to play roxy shortly before i came on she brought up the moment you're talking about yeah and basically said it might be time to change that moment and the moment was changed and that doesn't happen all the time in shows, especially shows established like Chicago, you know, that have been around for over two decades. It doesn't always happen that everyone agrees of changing a moment that's always been there. Yeah. But this production did. And in so many ways, like I've just seen examples of that throughout my experience of Let's make sure that this show stays relevant and let's make sure that we adapt and evolve this show. And another really wonderful example of that is that everyone plays the characters the way they would play them. Mm-hmm. No one tries to recreate um, a performance of someone else's. So what you're getting on stage is actors being genuine to what they do best. And yeah. and you get really authentic, genuine performances rather than anything feeling forced staged or disingenuous yeah yes you can really feel that and i you know and always always talking to you i always am thinking of constantly like you know how much i cover drag race here i'm constantly thinking of like drag race connections to things like this Mm -hmm. and i we did a really great interview for all star seven about why you didn't say water off a duck's back out loud on that season but you said you still used it as an internal mantra on the set of the show so i'm just wondering Mm -hmm. transitioning to broadway did you maybe also repeat that to yourself playing mama every night Oh, I, um, I was, you know, I I dealt with a lot of imposter syndrome coming in. My mantra was, if they're not worried, why should I be worried? Um, because I was working with people who've been involved with this production for decades, right? Yeah. So if they weren't worried about how quickly I was learning things or decisions I was making or acting choices I was making... If they weren't worried about it, why why should I, the newcomer, be worried about it? And mm-hmm. when they would tell me, when they would tell me, you're doing this part really well, um, keep it up, my imposter syndrome had to shut up because it's like, <laughs> you, my imposter syndrome is a figment of my imagination. Uh, mm-hmm. These people worked on Broadway for the last <laughs> 30 years. Yeah. So yeah. let's trust their opinion. I think I maybe said to you once before, too, in dealing with criticism, all opinions are valid. Not all opinions are equal. And that counts Mm -hmm. for my own opinion. 
My yeah. opinion of how I'm doing in the show is less important than the stage managers, the directors, or the dance captains, or the conductors, right? <laughs> yes. So that's how I dealt with imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. and that was my water off a duck's back energy in this this project. Nice. Nice. The press tour for Chicago, I loved it. You had a lot of great stops. I loved your appearance on Seth Meyers where you did some Snatch Game revival and you also did your Jennifer Coolidge. So um, Mm -hmm. Seb, after that, I was saying for days, I was just saying Seb in my my mind after that. Seb. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Have you have you heard from Jennifer since that or have you reached out to her at all since then? Did she give you feedback on that impression? No, I haven't. But I feel like it's one of those things where it will, when it happens, it'll be so much more special that it happened at the right moment rather than anyone trying to force us together. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling it's going to happen in some really serendipitous way. So I'm just being patient. (laughs) Yes, we'll put it out there. We'll put it out there. Now, you know, I'm going to ask you this. I know you didn't think we were going to get through this interview without talking about my favorite, Dave. Has he come to see you on Broadway or wished you well? No, I haven't um haven't seen him yet, but you know, um will you know what? Dave, if you're listening, just um <laughs> reach out to us the same way how, however we got a hold of you the last time. Yes, Do it yes. again. I'll I'll take care of everything, honestly. Yes. Well, he is now my friend on Facebook, so I'm sure he will see this when this posts. Tell him if he gets if he can get himself to New York, I'll take care of everything else. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. well he's going to be good to Mama. Mama's going to be good to him. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last question I have for you is like, you know, Rue, Michelle, any of the Drag Race judges, have they reached out and wished you well or come to the show at all? Oh yeah, I'm in constant communique with. Michelle, <laughs> because this show is very significant to both of us, and we performed class together. And you know, um, I, I don't get to chat with Rue very much, but the whole Wow family um, has always been so supportive of my theatrical endeavors. And at DragCon UK, Rue did take a moment to say how proud um, Rue is and the whole the whole group of them. And I I felt very much like yeah i can tell y'all are proud of me and it's very sweet (laughs) that's very sweet so that whole name thing was a joke then i don't know that it was a joke i just think sometimes we forget things and people are (laughs) people these days are so ready to read into everything yeah i can't tell you how many times i've seen someone i've known for 15 years and i'm introducing them to a friend and i say this is my friend stacy gilbert and they're like my name's stacy rodan or something i don't know (laughs) or i'm like this is selena and she's like my name's serena you've known me for 20 years you know like it happens sometimes especially in this business Yeah. (laughs) And I called her Selena Choo Choo. Yeah. Selena Um. Choo Choo. Yes. (laughs) Oh, Jake. Well, you know, like. Like Judy Garland, after an encounter with Dave, um, the time for this interview has unfortunately expired. Jinx, we can't <laughs> thank you enough for being here to talk about the tour thank and you, for your Joey. historic run in Chicago. Please remind our listeners um, about tickets, fi- where they can find more information about the upcoming Yeah, um, just, you know, uh, I uh, Google it. I mean, like, honestly, Google, <laughs> Google purchase tickets, Chicago. Broadway. Um, It's called Chicago the Musical on Mm -hmm. uh, Instagram, and they have all their links there. And the tour, Um, too. I I meant the tour, too. (laughs) Oh, my tour. Oh, go to jinxmonsoon.com. Oh, duh. duh. Yeah, go to jinxmonsoon.com. Follow me on all my socials. I'm at jinxmonsoon 
everywhere except for Instagram. I'm at the Jinx. The and that's J I N K X. You have to use the K. I paid extra for it, and K is very expensive. Yes. So, um, yeah, everything on stake uh, this summer. Go to jinxmonsoon.com for tickets and um, or Google it, like I said. Just Google. Uh, phones are magic wands that can answer almost any question. <laughs> yes, very well said. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of EW's Quick Drag. You can find more on Jinx's tour and year-round coverage of RuPaul's Drag Race at EW.com slash Drag Race for the tour announcement as well. Stay tuned for another new episode of Quick Drag on Wednesday with the latest Season 15 Eliminated Queen. Bye for now, and thank you again, Jinx. Thank you. <laughs> There's weather. Cloudy weather. Ooh.